Hey everybody, welcome to episode 18 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and I've got another great guest for us this week. His name is Chris Smeal. Chris is the founder of Future Champions Golf, uh, which is comprised of a couple different components. The Future Champions Golf Tour, which operates over 100 tournaments annually and three of the largest junior tournaments in the world. Um, also the future champions golf Academy, which operates out of the stadium golf center in San Diego, California. Uh, Chris was recently named to the 2019, 20 golf digest best teachers in California, as well as the 2019 Southern California PGA player development award. Um, really had a good chat with Chris, super nice guy, super passionate about the game of golf and, what he can do to help young players um, get better at the game in all areas. Um, he's a super competitive person. He's got a passion for teaching young players. Uh, we're going to chat a little bit about that as well as, you know, kind of his intro to golf, um, some parent coach relationship type topics. Um, also going to talk a little bit about, you know, what people should look for in a golf coach, what he looks for in students. Uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this chat. So, uh, appreciate you joining us. If you sit tight, I'll be back with Chris Smeal. All right, everybody, welcome back to episode 18 of Junior Golf Keys. Uh, I've got a great guest for us this week, the founder of Future Champions Golf, uh, Mr. Chris Smeal. Chris, how's it going? Oh, everything's going great. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you making some time. Yeah. Um, as we were kind of talking about, you know, this project's really just set uh, – to bring some value to those junior families that are out there, players and parents as they're kind of navigating through, you know, tournaments to play in and college recruiting. And uh, I know you have your hands in a lot of that stuff. Could you kind of walk through your background a little bit, kind of how you got introduced to golf and then, you know, what led, led you to build, um, you know, everything that you're involved with now with future champions? Yeah, sure. So uh, I started playing golf after, uh, getting cut from the freshman baseball team in my high school. Uh, so 15 years old, I'd played a little bit from 10 to 15, but not that serious. Um, and then I started playing and loved it and told my mom I was going to go full bore into golf and then started playing every day and got a college scholarship to San Diego State uh, June 6th, my senior year, and then did that and pretty much failed miserably in college um, <laughs> with my golf. Um made a ton of mistakes and, you know, w wish I could do it over again, but I learned a ton. And then I got into a office job or corporate job right after college and just, you know, didn't like it, wanted to be back into golf and, um, stadium golf center in invited me back to work there in the pro shop. And then, um, the guy running the junior program no longer wanted to do it. So they said, if you want to take over the clinics, you can do that. And so I just started hosting clinics and it really just took off. We went from having like two kids a class to 10 a class. And then we started adding classes and pretty quickly had over a hundred kids a week coming down just to the group stuff that we were doing. So started building the program kind of around just coaching and, you know, beginner golf, intermediate golf. And, um, then in, 
as a few years went by. And then in 2007, um, I saw a need to, to host or add, um, you know, quality two day tournaments that were a little more affordable than what was out there. Um, and so we, we started a tour in, in 2007. Nice. Um, yeah. well, you've definitely, like you said, it's, it's grown a lot, right? And, um, uh, congratulations. You were just named uh, golf digest best teachers in California. That's a pretty awesome accomplishment. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. And I know you also received the, um, 2019 Southern California PGA player development award as well. So obviously you're doing something right. Um, and tell us just a little bit about like just future champions golf. So you've got two pieces to that. If I understand correctly, you've got the tour and then you've got the Academy. Can you kind of go into those a little bit more detail? Yeah. Um, so the Academy is, I've, I've just always taught since, well, since I was 22 years old. So, um, it's it's more of a me teaching private lessons honestly now at this point it's gone from having golf schools and some other stuff pretty much everything's just private coaching now um based on my schedule it 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 works out the best to do it that way and then on the tour side um yeah we have four levels to our tour uh we're based here in san diego so we have you know some nine and 18 hole kids events that are just Part three and executive tour events. Uh, those are once or twice a month. And then we have our 18 hole one day series events. Those are about once a month. And that's to really bridge the gap between, you know, getting started in golf and then getting up to those like two day events when you're a little bit older maybe 11 to the 18 year olds. Uh, and then we have our two day 36 hole national tour events that are uh, on weekends. And we do, we do a lot of those. We, we do over 50 a year now. Yeah. Um, and then we have our World Series events, which those have become our like our premier events. And those are the ones that have kids from all over the world come in. And they're at really good times of the year uh, when kids are out of school or midsummer. They're around other good events. And uh, we've just built those into, I mean, we have three of them now that have over 600 players a year and those and growing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can you... Can you kind of dive in a little bit, just like for this audience, can you talk a little bit about or give them some advice maybe on just building a tournament schedule throughout the year? I think it's something that parents have a lot of questions about. They, I think I feel like they end up being the ones a lot of times that are, you know, kind of researching and looking for different tournaments and trying to figure out how to build a schedule. Like what should kids that are playing and, and parents that are helping them build those schedules, what should they be paying attention to? Yeah, it depends on the level they're at. Obviously, the big thing now is, you know, a lot of kids are doing this to try to get college scholarships and, and do that sort of thing. And so, I mean, building a schedule to me, where a lot of people go wrong is they're just, they're just chasing and thinking they need to do too much. I really think there's, they can do less and be a little more strategic in their planning um, and, and plan events that, they potentially could play well um, events that they have time to prepare for um, and build a schedule. If they are looking for college experience or exposure is going to events that have college coaches at them um, as opposed to just playing. And then, you know, really it depends on your schedule and your budget and how much you can travel. And um, I think building the, the, well-rounded kid by 18 years old is really important and um, creating the right experiences. We try to make all of our events really fun 
um, for everybody that's involved, especially our World Series events. There's a lot of special events around those so that everybody there can have a good time. Um, yeah. So I, I just think, you know, creating a schedule that's optimal for them to play well. And it takes time to kind of figure that out. There's periods, I think, in junior golf life that, you know, playing a lot is really good because you need the experience. And then you figure out, well, I'd rather – or you need to learn how to prepare and then play well at the events that I do play in. So that's kind of how we built the tour was the world series for us are like, those are the ones you want to peek at. You want to be at your best when those come around. And then some of the other events may be throwaway events or events that you can get more, some of your stuff that you've been working on your swing or whatever to get to a little better level before you get ready for those bigger ones. Yeah. I had a college coach on a few weeks ago. I've had several, but one of the coaches I was talking to a few weeks ago, he put out the idea of, you know, kind of three different tiers, like one tier of a tournament being like, you can show up and, you know, you know, if you play your game, you, there shouldn't be any doubt that you can win that tournament. And then, you know, kind of a middle tier where you go and you've got some good competition um, and you should have a really good shot at winning, but you know, you've got to bring some of your, your best stuff. And then another event that you show up where, you know, you maybe don't necessarily belong there yet, or you kind of, it's kind of a, you know, a stretch tournament for you. Um, yeah. would you kind of agree in that, in that type of thinking? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love that. I think that's fantastic. And I, I would say that most people fall and make the mistake of playing only the events that are over their head yeah and maybe they're not quite ready for that and i I feel like kids need to play down a little bit more and get more wins and and get used to like you said like winning an event like a lot of kids will just jump they'll they'll see kids are playing over here i need to do that as opposed to wow why don't i just stay over here for another year and a half and rack up 10 wins like that to me is more important in the long run than a 12-year-old playing with an 18-year-old trying to beat him at that level. I don't, I don't see much value yeah. in that. What is that? So, so taking that approach, I mean, what do you think that does for a kid's mentality and just their, their growth? I, I just think in the long run, all of this is about when you walk, when you're done with school, like when you're done with high school and you're going on to the next yep. level, like what was your career like? Are you tired? Like a lot of kids are tired because of the systems that are in place. I'd rather a kid, you know, have a good time and just keep getting better and keep loving the game and play with their friends and 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 just become a stronger mindset person, not chasing something that's yeah. really not there. You know, like it's just I just I just want to yeah, help build yeah, confidence for sure. people. I mean, you have a you have a big passion for teaching young players. What, what makes you so passionate about that space? I think because what it did for me, like I, I, like I said, I missed, I got cut from my baseball team at 15. Um, at that time, I, I really hadn't even grown yet. Um, so I was definitely not up to the level of these other baseball players. And then what golf did for me is it, I mean, it just really gave me confidence to the person I became and it gave me something that was cool. It was, you know, it was, I was so passionate about that whole experience. Like from age 15 to 17, I went from shooting 110 to, you know, shooting in the sixties. Um, and that's, that's what I try to help and share with my students is kind of that roadmap of what that looks like and how I did it and how they should do it, how to look at it, even just perspective on, 
on what they're doing and know when, you know, things maybe aren't going great. Like just look at it a little differently and really flip that. I've had people come to me, even students that I don't teach that I'll see at tournaments or something. I had one, one parent, he came up to me. He's like, Oh, well, this is like a, this is like a growth year or something like that. I'm on the lower half. I'm like, well, it doesn't have to be. I mean, what if you just like, why don't you just like, let's go to this next one and see what happens. The kid won like three of the next four events. Uh, and yeah. I'm not taking credit for it, but it, I, I'm, I'm assuming that maybe a little different perspective as opposed to just thinking that this year was a total waste or yeah. a, a growth year. Um, yeah. Know, helped yeah. A little bit. So in those two years from 15 to 17, you know, you go from essentially beginner, right. To scratch. Um, yep. Yep. What does that look like for you? I mean, kind of help this audience. And I guess we're speaking specifically now to the players and the amount of work and, focus in different areas but like can you kind of walk us through what that experience was like for you and what really went into it sure yeah so I was all in when I found out that I loved it that much I you know at fifth I was 15 and a half so it was like August I started playing every day I was playing at a par three course um I didn't have my driver's license at the time so I was you know I had to go when my parents would take me um so the first six months was just like, whenever I could go, I would go. I was chipping in my front yard every day. I was putting in my room. I was looking in the mirror, looking, working on posture and my setup. Then I started taking lessons, I think, later. Actually, I went a whole year without lessons. So I went till wow. 16 and a half. And I got in that first year, so that first six months, I, would, um, I got to shoot about 42 okay. or so for nine holes and made varsity within six months on a pretty good golf team. We had a, we had a pretty good team. Um, and then literally was practicing during that or at 16. So six months later, um, I got a driver's license. I started practicing every day. I got a job at the golf course so I could practice and play for free. And literally if it was daylight, I was on the golf course. If I wasn't working, if even at nighttime, we had two night ranges at the time then in San Diego. So I would go to those and then I heard a story, my coach. So after about that first year, I got down to shooting about 80 and I got a coach and he helped me over the next year and a half go down to, you know, 72 or better. During that period, I had, he had told me a story that Charles Howell was working with David Ledbetter and he was flying down to work with them and he was hitting like a thousand balls a day. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't hit <laughs> right. a thousand balls a day. <laughs> so I'm like, well, maybe I could do 500. So I went to my coach who was, who was also the head pro there. And I said, Hey, can I hit 500 balls a day here? Is that okay? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that's fine. And at the time, I mean, I don't think now it would be as well welcomed, you know, but just because there's so many more junior golfers back then, there wasn't right. that many that played. Um, so I would take a crate of balls. I would go to the back of the range at Oaks North and I would set up shop for like, three to four hours on the weekend mornings, Saturday and Sunday. And I mean, out of 500 balls, 300 of them were probably wedges or short yeah. soft swings. And the rest of them were, were full swings. And I, I really developed just a very consistent swing over the next year and became a pretty good ball striker. And then, I mean, I played the little part three course as much as possible. I was playing, uh, you know, several rounds a week on this course and just getting, good at chipping and pitching around the greens and i mean it was a full-time job for me which you know just like today it doesn't feel like work i just loved it 
it's interesting to listen Solid. to you talk about kind of how you segmented your time. Um, just because I think that that's just a big conversation specifically with junior players. Um, and I think it depends on coaches and environment and stuff like that too. But, um, I see a lot of players that really want to perfect, um, the swing mechanics, um, and sometimes lose a little bit of sight in terms of, um, you know, scoring, and short game. And so you're talking about, you know, hitting those 500 balls and 300 of them are, you know, wedges or soft shots, um, you know, a lot of chipping and pitching. Um, can you just talk about kind of that separation and breakdown of time and, you know, where these junior players should be spending their time? Yeah. I mean, it's to me, it's like at least 80% has got to be on the short game and putting and, and scoring like I try to tell my students that their short game has to be their foundation if that's their foundation they have a really good chance of being good I also tell them that by the time they're 18 everybody hits it pretty darn good you know so if you have if you've spent the last six years say from 12 to 18 chipping and putting and really working on that and by the time you're 18 now you hit it 300 yards or 320 and your short game's good like you can't shoot over 72 ever so if you could just build that foundation hard part is a lot of kids especially today they don't they maybe have less time than i think i had to put in because they have more stuff going on or they don't have the same ability just to be dropped off at the golf course and spend five to eight hours um some people do like an hour a day and think that's enough and it's just you know you're just not going to get that good doing an hour a day um so but then again when it comes down to the hold, like I got that good pretty quick, but at the same time I had no balance. So there's, there's definitely a point there where, you know, over training or working that hard, I did get the results, but I also didn't have the balance. So when I got to college, I was then struggling to try to find a balance and I, yeah, I yeah. didn't do it well. Can so. you go into that anymore? Would you mind sharing? Yeah, I just, yeah, for sure. I just, I worked, if it was, like I said, if it was light out, I was on the golf yeah. course playing and practicing. So then when I got to college, you know, the first year I lived at home, which was 30 minutes away from San Diego State. So I commuted a lot. I was on the road a lot. Uh, that took up a lot of time. And then we had workouts, which I was spending a ton of time. We did three to four days a week of workouts. Um, even just the workout alone, I yeah. didn't manage that well, going from working out at six in the morning and then doing a qualifier at 11 like i i couldn't my chipping got worse like uh, my touch got worse because i was building my body but not being able to manage it really well um so that was that and then just the distraction of social life and being in a team environment and the whole thing being at a big school for me i actually never when i first started the journey all i wanted to do was turn pro or see how good i could get and then I was my senior year, nobody was looking at me and I was planning to go to a junior college. So then I got June 6th. I played so good that spring, I finished fourth at the regional championship and I got called in to go to San Diego state's office and the coach offered me a spot on the team and a scholarship. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll yeah. do that. Um, so literally June 6th, my senior year, I totally pivoted and went to San Diego state, which, you know, it was a big school for the personality and who I was sure. at that time. Um, I think there's just a lot of things then that uh, didn't work. And then also I 
unfortunately thought I knew everything at that time, which <laughs> a lot of kids do. And I stopped, I stopped working with my coach because I thought I, you know, I got so good. I thought I was playing so good that I just didn't need it. And I got further and further away from what was working. Um, and I think I've always had like a pretty natural ability to strike the ball solidly. So I know I can get away with things that aren't right. And so it really led me down a path. And I remember there's one of the guys on the team, he kept telling me, Oh, I got a lesson today. I'm like, well, let's go play. You know, we don't need to do, you don't yeah. need to do a lesson. Why are you doing a lesson? And I just, that time I just didn't get it why he was taking so many lessons. And that guy got so good. You know, he played high level, you know, mini tour stuff. And yeah. I went the other way. So it was, it was just good learning for me and be, to be able to share it now. Um, it's just good perspective. And yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you do a lot with college placement as well, correct? What do you, I do. Yeah. I know. What do you help those players kind of think through when they're looking at colleges? I mean, obviously, you know, a big factor is they have to be able to make the team in terms of playing ability, but you know, when you start looking at sizes of schools and geographics and stuff like that, I mean, what types of things are you coaching them up on? Yeah, a lot of the same stuff I, I kind of just went over in terms of, you know, the coach, the environment, how big the school is, where yeah. is the school located, you know, how good will they be on the team going in. I'm a pretty – I'm very optimistic about uh, player development and where they're headed. So I feel like I can see, you know, if they keep doing what they're doing and enhance what they're doing, that they're – how good they could be. So that's, like, a big thing, like – yeah, maybe they're not even ready for that team, but I think they're going to be the number one player right. in a year and a half based on what they're doing or how, how they're trending. So just kind of finding finding that fit, and it, it seems to have worked out really well with most of the schools that they've gone to and, and the situations that I've been involved with. Um, but again, there's also times where you know it hasn't worked out. It hasn't been a, a sure. great situation, sure. too. Um, I want to shift a little bit you know, just you being a, um, an instructor and, you know, we're just talking about, uh, different teachers and, and less taking lessons. What should players be looking for in a golf coach? Um, and, and parents too. I mean, what, what types of things should they be looking for? I mean, I know cost is, is a factor. Um, but outside of that, you know, what do you think are important attributes or qualities that, that players should be looking for when they're looking to work with somebody on developing their game? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I mean, the biggest thing is that the coach is invested in their game and they're not just taking a lesson. To me, this is such a big deal. This is like, this is their future. This is like, there's so much that goes on into it. It's not just your swing playing or you're making your short game technique better. It's understanding the kid and, and, and finding a coach that really has either done that or shows that they're doing that. Um, because I, I think experience is, is really huge in this exact thing of trying to become a, a good player. Um, now, there's a lot of people that want to teach, and then there's a lot of people that are really good at yeah. it. Um, so it's finding someone in your area that's that's like really doing well with getting the kids in the area to, to another level. What about um, – I, I just it, it comes down to caring for me. Yeah. What about parent-coach relationships? Can you talk about that at all? just in terms of uh, sure. you know, some of the challenges, some of the good things about them, um, but just kind of holistically, you know, some of the dynamics between parent and coaches. Yeah. I mean, I, 
the best situations I've ever had are the situations where the parents let me do what I do and they do what <laughs> they do. And we try to, and I try to help them <laughs> with that and understand that, you know, this is, this is my job. This is what I'm, this is what you're paying me to do is, is to help them. I think it, it goes the other direction when the parent thinks they know what, what's important or they see something, you know, a lot of, a lot of, I see people go down the wrong road when they look at somebody's golf swing and they think, Oh, that doesn't look right. or that's funky, but that could be like the best sure. thing about their swing. You know, there's a lot of funkiness in the golf swing and a lot of people, and that's what makes them special. And that makes them not right. hit it a certain direction. And, just watching that or oh he does this you know just I think it really comes down to the blocking out the the conversations really with other parents and just getting really invested in what's going on like the situation I have right now with my the kid from Vegas that I work with like the mom she's there during the whole lesson when she's at stadium and then we play golf together but when she's there like she's listening she's just soaking it up and I I tell her what we're doing it and video from vegas and i confirm what's working and that's a been a fantastic relationship for the last year and his game's gone from his game's just exceptional now he's going to be such a good player yeah that's awesome it's, it's um fun. yeah keeping everybody on the same page is just such a big piece of it right just making sure that everybody knows the direction that you're trying to head and kind of who plays what role in that yeah yeah for sure and it's there's also so many challenges with parents and you know obviously everybody's trying to help the player their son their daughter but a lot of stuff that comes out of people's yeah. mouths is not good for them you know and I'm a I'm a big believer in because I've had some things you know said to me over the years that really stuck and it could be the smallest little thing somebody says to you that makes a big difference yeah. it's something that you think about every day and so when I'm trying to get them to do one thing and then they show up at a tournament and the parents trying to help the kid on the range and they're not hitting it good. And then they try to give them advice and then they go tee off and shoot a hundred. It's like, well, you know, if you tried to put a bandaid on something right before they teed off to help them, but they're, they'll prepare, they'll figure it out. Yeah. So right. Don't add so what does that help. do to a player when you've got kind yeah. of conflicting, I guess, information? I mean, if I step back and think about it, like, I mean, kids, I think in by nature are, they want to please. Right. So, I mean, they want to make coach happy. They want to make mom and dad happy. Sometimes it can be really tough if you've got yep. a coach and a parent that are on different pages and the kids kind of stuck in the middle trying to, you know, make everybody happy, but it's just an impossible situation. Right. It's completely impossible. Yeah. Like I think expectations are huge and expectations do come from parents and then the player feels it. Um, just an example last week and I had posted on on Twitter or something that I told my students she had a, a tournament this past weekend and I told her she was going to play terrible <laughs> and she looked at me funny like what is what like she had this weird look on her face I'm like listen this weekend is not this is this is yeah. a learning opportunity for you like you need to go just have a good time out there because I knew she was stressing herself out about playing and she really wanted to play well and just doing that just leads down. You just can't play, you know? And so you got to be light. You got to get comfortable out there. And I just wanted her to go have a good time. And, you know, she didn't do it. And then we had, she came in yesterday and we had just the best conversation. Uh, I mean, we talked for 40 minutes and only hit balls for 20 minutes. And, you know, 
it was great. It was just a, a perfect learning opportunity. So getting the parents to see that, you know, this tournament's not that big a deal. Right. This is for long-term development. Let's try to get her to be the strongest version of her possible. And if I say to her, you're going to play terrible, <laughs> I want you to react like, really? And like, have a conversation yeah. with me. Don't feel bad about it. Just have a conversation with me about why might I say that? And then let's come to an agreement and then let's move forward because you're going to be like, she's going to be so good. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, she's going to yeah. be a superstar. Outside of um, just talent and ability, what types of things do you look for in students? Outside of talent and ability, um, you know, strategy, I think someone's, you know, I just think somebody's personality really reflects who they are as a golfer. Yeah. Like I'm really competitive. I'm also super, <clears throat> I'm super empathetic and super just, I just care so much about these kids and everybody that I want everybody to do well, but at the same time, like, I do putting contests with my kids and I want to destroy <laughs> yeah. them and I want them to know that. Like I do, I, I, I do putting contests with every student and it's something that I've done over the last five or six years. And it's, I'm trying to teach that competitive side to them because a lot of kids, they don't do it. They just, they do, they don't even know how good they are. They don't know, you know, that California is like the hotspot of all, right. real, a lot of really good players. You know, you have Florida and Texas and some other places in the world, but we're right in the middle of, all these great players. And then and I, I asked a girl a few years ago how good she thought she was. And she had, she was player of the year in San Diego. She had beat Haley Moore, who just got her LPGA tour card. And I said, Hey, how, how good do you think you are? And she, her answer was, well, I think I'm like <laughs> the other girls. And I'm like, wow. Like yeah. just in terms of mindset and perspective, she's going in with that attitude. And I'm over here thinking that this girl thinks she's ridiculously good and she could beat the world. And she doesn't even, thinks she's she just mm. thinks she's like one of the rest of them which maybe that's her goal you know maybe she doesn't want to beat everybody and that's okay but like for me i'm so competitive that if 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 you want to do yeah. it i want to help so you i mean is that something you can even teach in terms of like that competitive like just internal <laughs> drive um i think so i think if if you have like a mindset that's willing and you want to do it i mean i i was taught it i i, I was pretty competitive early on i know my parents told me i was pretty ridiculous about <laughs> right. board games and playing stuff like that and i would i would play until i won and that was something that i always did but um you know, yeah i, I yeah. think winning's important unfortunately my wife has had to have a couple conversations with me after uh co-ed softball games that uh hey we're just out there to kind of meet some people and have fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah no so, no but no, i get it yeah it's 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 a definitely a, a fine line, and and I don't think like, I I don't think college golf's for everyone. I don't think competitive golf's for everyone, and but loving the game too is is huge. You know, if you can play yeah, golf for just because sure. it's fun, for it's sure. awesome. Um, what other kinds of advice do you would you give uh, both players and parents just about kind of their journey in in junior golf? Um, I think just to be patient with it and to um really just find what kind of works for them and what works for their situation and try to you know make it as a happy a journey as possible i just i've seen too many stories of it too intense and 
and too much pressure and it just it, it's supposed to be really fun like you're supposed to go on a weekend when you're a kid and play in a tournament and have a great time with your friends and yeah you're gonna win you're gonna lose but like make that experience just fun and when you go on your family vacation that you've turned into a golf tournament you know have a good time and go do other stuff yeah. at the tournament other than just golf and just create that I think the family dynamic growing up as a kid is just it's so so important and it's so short you know even even from age 12 to 18 I had a student she's a superstar now playing in college golf but when she was 12 she came to me and she said her mom asked me like do I need to like do we need to play all these tournaments and do we need to like you know do this every single day and I'm like no I'm like Go right. on vacation. Go do fun stuff. Like, yes, you need to play some tournaments, but none of this is going to matter that much right. until you're 15 to 18. So go do your trips. Don't spend every tournament or every weekend traveling to a tournament. Like, take your kids yeah. to the beach. Do all this other yeah. stuff because yeah. it's, it's going to yeah. fly. Have some fun it's and be a kid, fly. right? That's all. Yeah, good deal. Yeah. Um, well, Chris, that's really all I've got for you. I mean, I appreciate you jumping on. I just wanted to kind of dig into a couple of things with you. And uh, is there anything else that you want to share with the with the group? Um, okay. No, I don't think so. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I appreciate your time. And, um, again, congrats on, uh, on your awards this year. And I uh, appreciate your time. All right, Chris. Oh, thank Take you care. so much. It's fun to be here. Okay. Well, guys, that wraps up episode 18 of Junior Golf Keys uh, this week. I really hope you enjoyed our guest, Chris Smeal. As you can tell, uh, just in Chris's voice, he's got a, an amazing passion for teaching young players and uh, you know, really instilling some different values in them through the game of golf and just building holistic um, players that are you know, excelling in you know, all areas of their golf and, and areas of their life um, that he's kind of helped coach them through uh, just by, you know, teaching and working with them um, and their parents as well. So um, great guy, great uh, resource for the game, uh, great grower of the game and really appreciative of his time uh, sharing it with us and sharing some really valuable information with us as well. So as I always ask, if you've taken any value away from this show, please share it. Please leave a review. Also, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we have lined up. Uh, really looking forward to how we're going to wrap up the year and, and launch ourselves into 2020. So thank you guys for tuning in, and I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.